Amen. Amen. What a chapter here. Uh, before we get into the message this evening, I just want to say thank you again to Liberty Baptist Church, the hospitality, the friendship uh, that, that goes even beyond our visit here. It, it reaches back, as I had mentioned this morning, even to the founding of our church, uh, uh, talking with Pastor McMurtry uh, long before we had even had Revival Baptist Church in the Orlando area. So we go a long way and our prayer is that the friendship will continue to last, that we will endure and that we'll keep that friendship going. But I appreciate what God's doing. Thank you for those that came to be here this evening. If you were not here this morning, uh, we had a, a great time in the Lord. What a blessing to be able to report back the salvations this afternoon. You know, never take that for granted that this Sunday afternoon you had soul winners out knocking on doors, preaching the gospel. And because of churches like Liberty Baptist Church, there were salvations. People bowed their head this afternoon and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. That, my friend, is a great work. That is worthy of your support. That's worthy of your endorsement. That's worthy of you participating. And so I'm always encouraged when someone gets saved. You know, it's, it's a blessing to go out soul winning. We're commanded to go soul winning whether anyone gets saved or not. But you know what? What a blessing when we get to report that soul winning still works and people do get saved. And I believe looking at your numbers, I think there was more than five saved because our van alone had five salvations. And then seven was the total. So you're at, according to that number in the back is correct, 199 salvations for the year. So if you're here and you're not saved, we are going to be attacking you. We need one more. Amen. No, I'm just teasing. But uh, what a blessing, 199 salvations, because soul winners just day in and day out preaching the gospel. What a blessing that that is. But here we are in Ephesians chapter number four. And I love the book of Ephesians. I love the epistles that Paul wrote to the church. Oftentimes he's addressing problems. And I find solace in the fact that our church isn't the only one with problems. That every since we've seen uh, the, these epistles written, there's problems, there's good things, there's bad things. But he's telling, he's trying to get the congregation there to be kind, but forbearing, uh, keeping the unity is how it starts off in verse 1. And it ends off in verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we see the, 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 the theme of the chapter is a church working together in unity, forbearing one another, and being kind. But I want to land in verse number 11 for our text this evening. Verse number 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And here's why God is giving these things to the church. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So chapter starts off with, hey church, be forbearing and keeping that unity. Ends off with, be ye kind one to another. And to keep that, to make that happen, he says he gave these positions, these titles. And the title of the message will come from verse number 11, where it says, and he gave some pastors. And I want to take, and this, Pastor McMurphy does not know I was doing this. He probably would not let me do this. But I want to brag on Pastor McMurtry tonight. You have a pastor that God has given you. Let me say this. Rock Falls, Illinois has a pastor that God has sent here and his family. And today marks a 12-year anniversary of a family just day in and day out and week in and week out, month after month, year after year, God gave Rock Falls a pastor. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And there's going to be an accountability because of that. And God has given Liberty Baptist Church 
a gift. Now, he's not allowed to say that because that'd be awful bragful, you know, prideful. God gave you a gift and here it is. Ta-da. But let me tell you something. God gave some pastors. The office of a pastor is given by God. God has given your town. God has given this church a pastor. And that is something that we need to take uh, and, and look into this evening and make sure that we're respecting that for the credit that is due towards that office. Uh, the office of a pastor is a special thing. Let me just start off by saying this. There are a lot of towns that don't have a pastor. There are a lot of churches that wish they had a pastor. In fact, that's relevant by, and evident by the fact that so many people drive so long just to come here, to come to church, because they're passing towns that don't have pastors, they don't have churches, but God, for whatever reason, saw fit 12 years ago to send to Rock Falls, Illinois, a family named the McMurtry family, to come and through thick and through thin be faithful to be a pastor for the Lord. God gives, Pastor, I want to look at that uh, this, this evening and just brag on the McMurtry family and what they're doing here because there, no doubt about it, sacrifices have been made. Sacrifices will be made. And we look at the, 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 the ordination of a pastor. God's the one that sends the pastor. God's the one that gives them. Turn, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 12. And as we look at the thought of he gave some pastors. There's so many churches that have pastors committees looking for pastors and they just can't find them. And when God finally does send you a pastor, man, love them, appreciate them, support them, endeavor to keep unity. The last thing Rock Falls needs is to have a church with no pastor. And so we have a pastor here and we're thankful for that. I'm thankful I have a pastor friend. I'm thankful that we can call each other and iron sharpening. I'm thankful for the ministry of Liberty Baptist Church. And so Jeremiah chapter 3, we're going to see in our first uh, uh, point in the outline today, is leadership is ordained by God. God is very much into leadership. You see that in the home? Now, today's society rejects any form of leadership, right? They don't want anyone to lead, but they want them to, themselves to lead, right? They don't like, nobody wants to work because they don't want the boss telling them what to do. But you know what? God ordained leadership. Marriages are falling apart because, one, men won't run the home, and two, the world's telling everybody it's 50-50 marriage, but it's not. God gave a head to the home, and that's the man. And all the men in the room can say amen. <laughs> God ordained leadership. Now, obviously, we have bad leadership, and that's not the scope of this message, but God gave leadership. You know, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. That's a command from the Word of God, because the parental role in the home is also ordained by God. But, you know, when you see rebellion, you see rebellion in all aspects. The same people that can't stay married, can't keep a job, can't that all law enforcement are crooked and perverse, and they, they can't uh, obey any kind of authority whatsoever. They're at odds with every authority, and then they come, and they're the worst member you can have at a church. And it's, it's not the pastor, it's not the policeman, it wasn't their parents, it's they don't like authority. But in our first step here in our notes today, we're going to see that leadership is ordained by God. God wants structure and God wants leadership. Jeremiah chapter 3, look at verse number 12. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. Thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. 
Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Here's the thought, verse 15. And I will give you, what's he giving them? Pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Tie that in with our text. He's talking to the local church. He says he gave some pastors. In Jeremiah, he's telling his people, you get right with God, you serve Him, you follow my commandments, I will give you a pastor who will lead you, who will guide you. Let me say this, there's been some churches that had pastors and they ran them off. Shame on the local church that runs the pastor off when God sent them a pastor to preach and teach the Word of God and they were too good for that pastor and sent that pastor and his family packing. Let me just say this. God often just uses that pastor somewhere else and that church has no pastor. And then they're sitting there praying, Oh Lord, send us a pastor. He already did. And you ran him off. And so I want tonight to just kind of brag on the office of a pastor. You have one. And what a blessing it is to be able to say for 12 years, Liberty Baptist Church has had a pastor. One that is here. He was over there sweeping the floors, pushing the broom. Uh, There's a lot of things that take place through the week. You know, when you think of the office of a pastor, it's not that office over there. That's not what the office of a pastor is. Oftentimes, they're the ones cleaning the toilets. They're the ones uh, vacuuming. They're the ones doing all the things to make sure it's all in place. And then if something isn't in place, everybody runs to the pastor. Pastor, this is not right. Pastor. You know, when they're teaching in Bible college what it means to be a pastor, none, they don't teach you how to clean, uh, clean a toilet. You know, like lesson number one, how to clean the restrooms. Lesson, uh, lesson number two, how to this. Or how, but that's the office of a pastor. And you've had a pastor for 12 years, don't take that lightly. God has given you a pastor. God has given you a family that is endeavoring to serve the Lord. Now, we know, we can all amen here, they're not perfect. He's in the back watching for who's going to amen. All right. But let me just say this. God gave you them. God gave Liberty Baptist Church the McMurtry family. And Liberty Baptist Church is going to give an account for how they've treated and respected or did not respect the pastor that God has given them. I've seen twice already that God gives pastors. God put in the heart of Pastor McMurtry to start this work. And, you know, it takes just one guy to come along and think they know better than God. Think they know better than the, the leadership of, uh, that God ordains. Think they know better than Pastor McMurtry. And they're just going to come up and invent this new thing. Hey, God ordained leadership. Leadership is ordained of God. Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I'm trying to lay the foundation for the message in the fact that leadership is ordained of God but specifically the, the office of a pastor, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division. So, 
tie that in with Ephesians 4, where we're endeavoring to keep the unity. We're trying to have this body that's fitly joined together. Right in the middle of Ephesians 4, he gave you a pastor for the edifying of the saints to keep things in order. Closes out chapter 4. Be ye kind one to another. Well, here we see the opposite. There's envying and strifes and divisions. He says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed? And here's the thought. Even as the Lord, what's the next statement? Gave to every man. So we're not trying to lift up Pastor McMurtry as he's this wonderful person. He's this uh, supernatural man. No, he's Paul saying, look, I'm just Paul. All I am is the man God gave for, to you to lead you to Christ. All I am, Apollos, he's just a servant of God. I'm just a servant of God. Hey, you ought to be praising Christ. But God is the one that gave you the minister. God is the one that placed that individual there. He says, even as the Lord gave to every man, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I think we would look at criticizing the office of a pastor a lot differently if we, in the back of our mind, understand that God's the one that puts people there. If we could understand that, I think, and, and a great example of that is Moses, right, when they're murmuring in their tents, and we'll see that here in a little bit. But when they were murmuring against Moses, God came to Moses and says, they're actually murmuring against me. That's a dangerous place to be. They're not murmuring. They, literally, they were murmuring against Moses. But God's saying, hey, let me translate that for you, Moses. I put you in authority. They're murmuring against me. And so leadership is ordained of God. Now, in the Bible, you don't have to turn there, but in the Bible, in the Old Testament, anytime there was no leadership, was it a good thing or a bad thing? When the Bible would say there was no king in those days and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Wasn't it a great time to read about? No, because everybody's going to do right in their own eyes, which means it tells me that when leadership is in place, the leadership is going to make issues and judgments that the people think is wrong, because when the leadership's removed, they're going to do what's right in their own eyes, but it doesn't work out. And so leadership is going to make a judgment call. They're going to make a decision and it may seem weird. It may not seem like the decision you would make. But let me tell you, when there was no leadership and everybody did what they thought was right, we can call that committee run Baptist church. It doesn't go well. There's leadership for a reason and leadership is ordained of God. Turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter number three. Isaiah chapter three, God would... In the Old Testament, he would give leaders based upon the people. If they were serving him, he'd give them good leaders. If they were backsliding, he'd give them bad leaders. So if you have a bad leader today, well, it's not your leader, it's you. So if you don't like Pastor McMurphy like some of us here, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed, you can raise your hand. No one's peeking. You say, well, I, I think God didn't give me a good pastor. Well, maybe because what's wrong? Or maybe you have a good pastor, you're just not a good member. And so, looking at this thought of God giving leaders based upon the people, look what he says in Isaiah 3, verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. God says, because of the way you're acting, I'm sending children, babes, lady, he would, later he'd say women, would rule over them because of their position. Now, in the church, we know there's two 
biblical positions that can be filled in the church. That's pastors and deacons. Both of those have super high qualifications. And I want to look at that just for uh, briefly before we understand that leadership is ordained by God. But those 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 positions have some benchmarks that have to be met that not everybody is going to meet. Not everybody meets those qualifications. And, and if you don't, you know, you just say, hey, I want to be in God's perfect will. But if you don't meet the qualifications, then it's not God's will that you be the leadership. Amen. I mean, you, you should want God's will more than anything. And if you say, well, I know I want to be a leader. Well, you don't meet the qualifications, then that's not God's will for you. All right. Just go ahead and cross that off. Say, that's not my position. I'll serve God elsewhere. You can be in God's perfect will somewhere else. But leadership, these positions have these benchmarks for a reason. Turn, if you will, to First Timothy chapter number four. Look at verse number six. First Timothy chapter four and verse number six He gave some pastors, telling me that leadership is ordained by God. God, Paul says God gave every man a minister that that was supposed to be to minister to them, whether it was Apollos, whether it was Paul. Well, I wish I was in Revival Baptist Church. Well, that's all right. There's people in Revival Baptist Church that wish they were in Liberty. Okay, that's just how it is, right? That's just that's how life is. But you know what? God gave Liberty Baptist Church a pastor. God gave you a leader. God gave you a family. And there's going to be an accountability uh, accordingly. First Timothy chapter four, verse six says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. God says a good minister is putting people in remembrance of things. So a good minister is not coming up with new doctrine as we saw this morning, okay? A good minister is just preaching the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. We're going through the book of Ezra. Well, guess what? You're going to go through the book of Ezra again. And we, well, we just went through that book. Well, we're going to do it again. We're not going to come up with new doctrine. We're not going to come up with new ways of doing it. And that, by the way, there are many pastors out there doing that. And God calls them bad ministers because the good minister is just putting them in remembrance of what they already know. What the Bible already says. We don't want to be a bad minister. And and so as a pastor, we are going to be held accountable to the words of God. We have to preach them with all authority. We can't hold anything back. If you feel like your preacher's preaching at you, you know what you ought to do? Thank him. That's what you ought to be doing. Instead of getting mad and say, I feel like he's preaching right at me. After church, you ought to walk right up to him and you ought to look him square in the eye and you ought to say, thank you for preaching at me today. God gave ministers to each of us. He gave you a pastor. And if he loves you enough to preach the truth. And by the way, when we, as pastors, let me just say this. We can read the audience. Let me just, uh, you, you might think you're hiding behind a stone cold face. And we have no idea what you're thinking. But as a pastor, you can look out and you can see who's enjoying it. And you can see who's enduring it. And I mean, if I were Pastor McMurphy, I'd just put a camera right there. He could go back and watch and then he could know who needs visits. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> right? But we, we can see. We know. But you know what? As a pastor, it's, to be a good minister, we have to just keep preaching it whether you like it or not. And sadly today, so many churches have got leadership that's not ordained by God. It's ordained by the people. And the people are pulling the strings because they want the pastor to say this and not say that and, and preach on this, but not preach on that. And let me tell you something. That's not a good minister. 
God gives the church the ministers, and a good minister will put them in, in, in remembrance of things. But there's some qualifications. There's, we could look at some of those qualifications, but that's not the scope of the message. But he's to be blameless. He's to be the husband of one wife, and that doesn't mean one wife at a time. Amen, right? That doesn't mean, well, you know, I only have one wife. No, no it means one wife. Why? Because they're to be the example. And, and it also means you can't be a lady and be a preacher. That's what that means, because how can you be the husband of one wife? He didn't say the wife of one husband. Amen? Or do you guys allow that in Illinois? I don't know. <laughs> right? We, and we have examples of that where the women are learning silence and remain silent and to learn at home. And we have, I don't want, that's not the scope of the message. But there's a long list of things that the pastor has to meet. A good minister has to meet these qualifications. And when those qualifications are met and God places that family, like the McMurtry family, in Rock Falls, it wasn't a light decision. It wasn't a decision on a whim. It was a decision that was calculated and the, the qualifications were looked over and the ordination was given as they were vigilant and sober of good behavior, given to hospitality. The list goes on and there's a, there was a decision that yes, this family meets those qualifications. Yes, we're going to ordain them. We're going to send them to Rock Falls, Illinois. Hey, when you're criticizing the leadership, that's who you're criticizing. The leadership that God had put in the heart of someone to come and start a work here. I am not advocating he's perfect. Not saying that. I'm not saying every decision he makes is right. But what I am saying is he is the leader. And there's a big difference. Those of you who have teenagers know exactly what that's like, right? When we make decisions, we're not always right, but we make the decision. And then when it's not the right decision, they'll, they'll remind us how wrong we were. That's their job to remind, that's their job to keep us humble, those teenagers. But it was still our decision to make. And as a teenager, it's hard, especially when you see dad or mom making the wrong decision and you know better, but you know what? It's not your decision to make. It's mom and dad's decision. And the happiest person here today is Tommy. He's the head of his own household today. Amen. And he can make his own decisions. Amen. But congratulations to him. I'm so glad they could come. But you know that authority, that leadership, when, when someone, the great, the, the attempt to detail, making sure someone is qualified, and then on a whim, someone who's not even half qualified is going to criticize the leadership of a church that God gave, the qualifications were met, he sent them, doesn't mean they're perfect. We look at Moses and Aaron. I mean, we could point out all kinds of flaws Moses made, right? Anybody want to argue Moses was a perfect leader? No. But when they murmured against him, God was upset because Moses was the one that God. Now, don't think we get off scot-free. We're going to give an account for the decisions we make. But don't undermine the office of a pastor. Office of a pastor, office of a deacon, both of those are ordained by God. But a good minister will not only meet those qualifications, but he's going to uh, strictly follow the instructions that God has given him. You're bound to the word of God. He's going to follow these instructions. He's not trying to entertain you. If you're wanting to be entertained, you're certainly in the wrong place. Right? This is, there's no entertainment here. It's, it's a little boring. Well, you know what? Thank God he's preaching the same boring message over and over and over, and he hasn't changed. Or as he likes that quote, we ain't changing, amen. Thank God for that. I mean, what do you want? Do you want this like, oh, pastor's off on something? No. How about predictability, doctrine's the same, timeless through the years. I pray in 12 years from now when you're celebrating your 24th anniversary and Pastor McMurtry, I found out he is younger than me, so I can't tease him about age anymore. He'll probably be running around doing cartwheels still at that time. He'll be so young. 
But you know what I pray? The doctrine's still the same. We don't want anything new. He's got to follow those instructions. And the Bible, as we saw this morning, I want you don't have to turn there, but it was preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. He says, why? For the time will come when the people, they're not going to want that. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, but he looks to the preacher and he's the one that's qualified, the one who's following the instructions. He's like, it doesn't matter what they want. It doesn't matter if they come. It doesn't matter if they leave. It doesn't matter if they applaud. It doesn't matter if they boo. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. A good minister is not going to give any thought to the criticism that's coming his way. And let me just say this. That's something else they don't teach you. There's a lot of criticism that comes from being a pastor. And it's amazing how every... And by the way, we, we see it in every aspect of life. Anybody ever watch a sport game on TV? And we know... I've never watched one, but I've watched people holler at the screen. Right? And these people are training. They're eating right. They're working out. That's all, that's all they live for. What vanity that is, by the way. But here they are. They're eating, sleeping, thinking, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this game... And you're sitting there with a can of Mountain Dew, or around here it's a ghost. And it's not a holy ghost. Let me just go ahead and say that, amen. And you got your bag of chips, and you're sitting there on your couch, and they're climbing your feet up, and you're like, what are they thinking? Do you really think you made a better call than the coach out there? I mean, are you serious? We do it in all aspects of life. We criticize our employer. We criticize the decisions. We criticize our government. And then we come to church and we criticize, how about this? I'm not the one in that position. I'm not the one that meets those qualifications. I'm going to trust the leadership that God has. You know what? It's his decision to make. Now, if we're talking doctrine and doctrine starts changing, you can decide to just walk out those doors and find a church. Come on to Revival Baptist Church. We'll take you. Amen. Just don't come in the summer. You will melt. It is hot. But let me just say this, when it comes, most of the decisions people are criticizing leadership over have nothing to do with doctrine. It's all about the day in and day out decisions and deciding to do this, deciding not to do this, and who does he think he is. And we have no idea, but God has given this church a pastor. That is something that God has given, and God will hold your pastor accountable, but that, that position is not to be taken lightly. Now, when we're, when we're looking at this thought of giving some pastors, I see that God ordains leadership. But then point number two, if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse number 17. Hebrews 13, verse number 17, that leadership, number two, will be held accountable. Okay, When it comes time to answer for Liberty Baptist Church, it's going to be Pastor McMurtry that's going to answer for it. Now, if he let you guys run the church... He's going to answer for letting you guys run the church. If he ran and made bad decisions, he's going to answer for making bad decisions. If he softens the doctrine to keep the people coming, he's going to answer for that. You don't answer for that. He answers for that. And so one day he is going to give an account as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a, the authority that God has entrusted in that family. He's going to give account. And you know what? He ought to have more fear and thank God that he does of God than he does of any person in this room. I don't care how much money you put in that offering plate. He doesn't answer to you. He answers to God. And that's what Hebrews thirteen seventeen says. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as that they must give account, 
that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to who? To you. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I preach it. My church hasn't made it to 12 years. So we saw that this morning. We're still the little five-year-old over here. You guys have made it to 12 years. So thankful for that. And you say, preacher, we love our pastor. I know you do. That's how you made it to 12 years. Otherwise, you wouldn't make it. Preacher, we support our pastor. I know you do. But let me tell you something. The days come in. That's how the devil slips in and starts attacking. If he wants to ruin Liberty Baptist Church, he's going to ruin it from here down. He's going to get Pastor McMurtry discouraged. Pastor McMurtry, Sister McMurtry. It's good. It happens. And as the church, don't wait until you don't have a pastor before you appreciate a pastor. Rally behind your pastor and thank God you have a pastor who's been faithful. You don't have to come to church and wonder, is pastor going to be here today? Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad? Now, he might have to wonder if you're going to be here today. But aren't you glad you don't have to wonder? Oh, gee, I wonder if pastor's going to be here. No, he is. We get 12 years of that, this every week. He's given you a pastor. Support that. Appreciate that. Love that. Encourage that. Do you ever get discouraged? Of course. But he doesn't. Oh, yes, he does. And so what a blessing it would be for us to appreciate the blessing of having a pastor. And let me say this, the same pastor for 12 years. You know, another statistic that's bad is how many pastors are pastoring the same church. It's like two years, three years. And either the congregation runs the pastor out or the pastor gets mad at the congregation and the next thing they get a pastor and it's just this revolving door. And we were talking about enduring. You know, there's a lot of pastors that don't endure and there's churches just looking for that next pastor and looking for that. You've had the same pastor for 12 years. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be thankful. I'd be rallied. Just, hey, as wrong as he is on every decision you might think he's wrong on, that's worthy cause enough to just rally behind him today and say, thank you for always being here for 12 years. He gave some pastors. Leadership is ordained by God, and leadership will give an account to God. Husbands, you're going to give an account to how you rule your home, how you run things. And if you're not running it, you're going to give an account for that as well. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to criticize other people's homes, but we're not going to give an account to other people's homes. You're going to give an account to your, your, your own flock, whatever it is that God has placed you in order of. But then thirdly, not only will leadership be held accountable, we should honor and respect the leaders that God has given us. And you can find that even to the point, I know Romans 13 was preached not long ago, but you can find that even to the point of civil government. Don't we like to complain about the civil government? But you know what? We saw this morning in the Sunday school hour that God could make a king do something that doesn't even make sense to not even logically making sense to his own kingdom, letting all the people of God go, all those 40 something thousand people that God had let go. As we saw the genealogy, we saw the names, we saw even to the number of animals, we saw all that. God, the, the, the leaders just letting them go. And you say, why did he do that? Because God put it on his heart to do it. And you know what? If, if we're losing liberties and we're, you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be just saying, Lord, give us some more time rather than just complaining and complaining and complaining. I think the best way to keep your liberties is use them. You know, the one thing, the reason why the police come out when we're soul winning, we get a lot of that in Florida. I know you don't get that here. But we were out soul winning yesterday and the address Pastor McMurphy sent me to already had two police cars over there. So I took pictures of it and texted it to him just because he knows I'm always getting the police called on me. 
And I'm like, not in Illinois. He's like, are they called for you? I'm like, no, I was just teasing. But it got him thinking for a little bit, right? But you know what? The police officers, once they look into it, they leave us alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're not doing anything illegal. It's just so strange to see soul winners out preaching the gospel that it must be illegal. But you know what? It's not. But why are we going to wait till it's illegal before we fight that battle? Instead of fighting the legislation, let's just go take advantage of what we do have and just do it. And maybe God will just give us some more time. Maybe God will just give us another week to go soul winning, another week to go soul winning. And he'll give us leaders that allow us, that give us that liberty. But we're going to fight that battle if that battle ever comes. But thank God if we don't have to fight it today, let's use it for him. Instead of criticizing leaders. I don't see where criticizing the leadership fixes anything. We see we ought to honor and respect. Turn, if you will, to Numbers chapter 16. I want to build the text a little bit here in Numbers chapter 16. Your clock is awful small back there. I'm just saying, if I go over, it's that clock's fault, not my fault. Numbers chapter 16, verse number 1. And maybe you're familiar with this story. As we read it, you'll be maybe reminded of it. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and uh, Abram, the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the son of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. This is, as a pastor, this just sounds so much like what happens, right? They come out of concern for you, right? But really, that's not, we understand what's about to happen. They're not concerned for Moses. They're trying to run Moses, okay? You take way too much on you, pastor. Why don't you let me handle these things? Why don't you let the church make all these decisions, right? So he says, you take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. He's saying, look, Moses, Aaron, we all know what God wants. You don't have to tell us what God wants us to do. We're holy people. We don't need you telling us what to do. Sounds like some churches. Preacher, I don't want you preaching against my sin. I remember when I was candidating long before I landed in Ohio where I was there for six years. I was candidating at several churches and I would preach and there would be pulpit committees and they'd ask me questions. Are you going to stay off of this subject? And they had whatever subject the last pastor preached against. And they didn't like it. You know, and it'd be whatever the, whatever their pet peeve was, their hobby horse. Are you going to preach against this? And, the, and I would just hand my Bible back to him. I'd say, you tell me what part of that Bible you don't want me to preach. Well, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. Yes, that's what you're saying. I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God, whether you like it or not. And the men are coming, Korah and his men are coming to Moses. And say, oh, we don't, we're holy men. You don't have to stand up and lift yourself above everybody else and think you're holier than us and tell us what to do. We know what God, we don't need you. Doesn't that sound like a bad spirit? Yet Moses didn't lift himself up. God put Moses there. And we're gonna, we, we see what happens. And what I find interesting, if you take time and read this chapter, you have already promised to read Ezra chapter 2, so you have to do that first. Then you can read Numbers chapter uh, 16 tonight afterwards. And you, it'll be a lot easier than Ezra 2, so go ahead and plan on that tonight. But jump down to verse number 20, in chapter 16, verse 20. These people are accusing Moses and Aaron of lifting themselves up above the people and being better than them. We don't need you. We know what God wants. We're holy people. We don't need no pastor telling me what to do. 
Well, in verse 20, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. God's upset. He's like, I'm going to annihilate these people. And the very man they're criticizing is going to intercede for them and say, No, God, please don't. They don't mean it. They're criticizing Moses, and Moses is actually the one staying the hand of the judgment of God. You know, that's the office of a pastor. The very people you're ministering to are the ones stabbing you in the back. The ones you're up in the middle of the night to take the call. You're preaching their funeral. You're giving the counsel. And oftentimes it's the most ungrateful people. Now, I'm not preaching. I don't know your stories. He didn't tell. He doesn't know I'm preaching. He probably wouldn't have let me. I told you that already. If, it, if, you're, if, you're, if it's off of the live stream later, whatever reason, you missed it. You should have been here. But let me just say, you have a pastor that God has given you. And oftentimes, the people who are criticizing him are the ones that are actually benefiting from the prayer, the sweat, the labor, the consistency, and the faithfulness. Because look, as God's like, I'm ready to annihilate them. I'm going to consume them in a moment. Verse 22 of chapter 16. And they, talking about Moses and Aaron, fell on their faces and said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin? And wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? You know what he said? God, please have pity on them. Lord, just because one of them made a mistake, don't destroy them. They're interceding for the people while the people are murmuring against them. Keep reading. We know what's going to happen. The ground is going to open up. The sons of Korah are going to get consumed. The earth is going to swallow up. I mean, that would scare me. That almost makes me think they lived in Florida because that's what we call sinkholes. You know, we have those all over the place. But look at verse 44. It's not done yet. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get ye up from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Verse 46. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. God has taken and eaten the sons of Korah up in that earth and it's consumed them, but it's not done. And Moses and Aaron are on their face pleading for the people, pleading for the ones murmuring against them. And they're running out to stop the plague so the people would be delivered. Notice how it ends. Verse 50. And Aaron returned unto the do- Moses under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. God spared the people because of their leaders, Moses and Aaron. While the reason they were being destroyed was for criticizing Moses and Aaron. I'm not trying to advocate that pastors can do no wrong and pastors take no criticism. I'm not advocating that every decision we make is ordained of God and we're, we're, we're above. But neither was Moses and Aaron saying that either. It was the accusation saying, you're placing yourself above us. And that was far from the truth. They were on their knees pleading for them. And I know God has given you a great family here. I love the McMurtry family. They have been friends in fact, I'll say this. I honestly, when I was between ministries, I honestly contemplated coming here and having him as my pastor. I appreciate the family. I appreciate what they're doing. Then, of course, I met Jason, but then that changed everything. <laughs> but, you know, you have a great family. And, you know, you live in, and, and, and it's like anything, even in the McMurtry family, you know, they're all like, you don't know my dad, you don't know my brother. In the family unit, we see each other's flaws. It's hard to understand what we have. But you step out just a little bit and you realize you got a great work here. 
You've got a good leader. God has given you a pastor, that position. God has, and that's not one lightly to take. I think that alone is just worthy for us to stop tonight and just say, you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm thankful for his family. And that leads us to our last thought there. Turn, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter number 5 and verse number 17. The Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. I would say, and I don't know, I'm, I'm just an outsider looking in, I'd say they fit that bill. I'd say you have a, a pastor who's laboring in the word, a family who loves the Lord, and if you don't, if you think that 12 years that they haven't had opportunity to leave, I've invited them to Florida a lot, okay? They deny it. I'm trying very hard. We put them in touch with realtors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They've had plenty of opportunity to leave. And there's probably people out there on the outside. Grass is always greener on the other side, you know, from a church member's perspective and from a pastor's perspective. There's churches that need families like the McMurtry family. And don't you think for a moment, now I've not heard any, any particular cases, but I know if he's like me, don't you think for a moment he's not gotten phone calls, he's not gotten invitations, and it's not tempting every once in a while to think, I bet they don't complain against me like they do here. But you know what? He's stayed. Twelve years is something we're celebrating today, and I appreciate all the effort that both this morning and this evening, as we honor a church that for 12 years has been serving the Lord. But let me say, behind that church was a family that felt led to start this church and hasn't abandoned the work. That is worthy of double honor. And so, unto whom much is given, much shall be required. You've been given much. You should, and I'm not, please don't take this wrong, I'm not advocating worship the pastor or the position of the pastor, or I've, I think I've made that clear. But I think your pastor and his family today should feel very appreciated. The blessings, the gratitude, the thank yous. You ought, if you haven't already said that to him, you ought to do that today. And just say thank you. It's their church anniversary. It's, your, it's the church anniversary. But if it wasn't for the McMurtry family, there would be no Liberty Baptist Church. God built it, but you know what he took? He ordained a leader. He put it in his heart. That leader met those qualifications. He may make decisions, but you know what? He's the one that's going to give an account for it. He's actually the one qualified to make those decisions. Doesn't mean they're always right. But God gave Rock Falls, Illinois, a pastor, a family, and Rock Falls, Illinois, Liberty Baptist Church, ought to embrace that and be the most grateful church you could find for the, for the pastor that God has given them. I want to end this, this service differently. We're going to give an invitation. No, I'm just <laughs> Well, that sermon's not on the line anymore. <laughs> I, do, I want to do something different. I, want to, I don't know where's Abigail. Abigail, can you come to the piano and play? I want to ask Pastor McMurtry. Let's all stand so it's not awkward. I want Pastor McMurtry, I want Sister McMurtry, if you can come to the front. And I just want everybody, if you're not a member of this church, just come say thank you. I'm, I'm so thankful you're not my pastor. Just... <laughs> But just come, shake their hand, give them a hug, thank them for their... You don't even have to be a member here, but thank them for the testimony, the heritage that's represented by 12 years. Because you know what we want to see? I want to see them come 
and still be here 12 years from now. But I'm telling you, the devil doesn't. And there are attacks. May it not be from within this church. May it not be because this church doesn't love their pastor that God has given them. And so I know this is probably as awkward as can be. But Abigail, if you could play, I don't know if you have a song picked out, just play a song. We're going to start right here with Stephen. Just kind of just come. You can go back to your seat. I don't want to dismiss the service because that's not my place to do so. Just come, line up, shake their hand, tell them how much you appreciate them. Find your way back and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Murtry. <laughs>